the first time and had to drive back that, home and then come hey. back to shop for drug mart. Hmm. Hey, that's uh, that's totally fair, and that's a, that's a valid thing to bring up. I'm just yeah. saying that like the reason why the whole fiasco occurred was because you wanted to go get your Pokemon game. That's true. You know yeah. what I mean? My stupidity exacerbated the situation. Yes. And then the stupidity of everybody exacerbated the situation <laughs> further. I swear to God. I swear Indeed. to God. People still panic buying toilet paper. I can't I can't believe it. It was Whatever. so funny, man. I was laughing my ass off watching these like housewives like freaking out, like, I need three packs. And hearing like the poor clerk be like, Oh, the limit's two, ma'am. I'm really sorry. There's thirty six fucking rolls of toilet paper in the in one of those packs though. Like how many people live in your house? It can't. And how much do they shit? Like and it's all for her I, explosive diarrhea. It's yeah. <laughs> but she, now she's got IBS, I just, right? I, I don't get it because like it's not even a symptom, and I just, no, I, it's just it's panic. They don't, it's just yeah, idiocy. it's totally dumb, blind panic. It's amazing. Yeah. All right. Well, that's, <laughs> that's recording. You know, I'm gonna get your hangout so we can all look at each other's beautiful faces. Yeah. It's the whole reason I do this thing. Mm-hmm. What? Oh, yeah, that's right. Because Tim, this is Tim's jerk-off period. That's yeah, good. Yeah, exactly. That's why I keep the webcam pointed uh, waist up. Yep. I think that's why we all keep the webcam pointed waist up. <laughs> I'm glad we're recording this. <laughs> all right. Hey, I can see Paul this time, too. Yeah. Hi. I figured it out. Um, Mute your it, fucking Google Hangout, though. Oh, yeah. That's probably me, too. Sorry, I got, like, 15 things on <laughs> Hey, guys, do I look like an air traffic controller with this hat on? Like, no, you look like you look like a shitty chimney sweep with that hat on, ah. with a headset on. What you actually look like is a call center employee. <laughs> well, I've been that. I've been that three times, so that's fine. You have a hipster beard with a hipster hat and a hipster sweater, and you're wearing a headset, which means you're working in a call center somewhere. And you live in southern Ontario. There's also that. <laughs> True. <laughs> so... All right, you guys ready to go? Yes. Well, then let's call that preamble and welcome everybody back to Dance Robot Dance, the podcast where we talk about all things nerdy and geeky from a decidedly not safe for work point of view. This is our 190th episode. I am Tim. I'll be hosting this week as we uh, take a musical journey through our lifetimes. We haven't really done much in the way of music lately. And with me, I've got both from Milton, Ontario. I've got Mark. Hi, guys. And I have Paul. Hey, everyone. So let's uh, get right into the news because, holy shit, the world is on fire this week and there's a lot of shit going on and also a lot of shit no longer going on that was planned to go on. Yep. So first off, um, let's get some sad news out of the way. Noted genre actor Max von Sydow uh, passed away this week at the age of 90. Our listeners will know him from uh, the role he played at the start of The uh, Force Awakens. Yep, that's where everybody's going to know him from first, Tim. Yep, from, yep Star Wars. <laughs> from that, from uh, from the Three-Eyed Raven and Game of Thrones, yep. from the fucking Seventh Seal, the Ingmar Bergman yep. film, from yeah, playing, what I was thinking about. playing chess with death, from yep. fucking Flash Gordon, from, yep. from The Exorcist, and from providing the voice of Vigo the Carpathian in Ghostbusters 2. That's the one I was waiting for. That's the credit. <laughs> That's the one you should be remembered for. So, <laughs> so I mean, obviously left a massive mark on uh, on film in general and in, on genre films as a whole and clearly had a good long life at 90 years old. So, mm-hmm. And it feels like he kind of had two of those because remember after The Exorcist when everybody thought he was that old and he was like 44 because of the <laughs> makeup job? <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, that was the be- the best story I saw this week was that he had trouble finding work. That makeup job was so good, he had trouble finding work after that movie came out because everybody like, thought he was... You're still alive? Yeah, well, did he become 72? <laughs> like, what happened? <laughs> you can't put yeah. you in movies anymore. You're suddenly old. <laughs> yeah. Uh, guys, that's called makeup. Can I have? Can we have a meeting? I'm 44. Yeah, good times. <laughs> but yes, and then a lot of things have been getting either delayed or canceled entirely due to the coronavirus pandemic. Now uh, we're recording this on Thursday before you guys are probably listening to it. Um, so just for context and and frame of reference, as of right now, multiple movies have been delayed, including the premiere of Mulan, premiere of A Quiet Place 2, the premiere of New Mutants again. <laughs> That's why this is happening, right? That's what this is. This is like God being like, this can't happen. That movie can't come out. Here is a virus that's going to wipe out 20% of you just so yeah. that the New Mutants never gets released. God damn it. Uh, uh, Fast, Fast and Furious 9 or F9 or whatever the fuck you want to call that as well. So all kinds of stuff. I mean, Bond had already been delayed as well. Yeah. So, I mean, I get it. You know, it's probably for the best trying to make sure that people aren't uh, congregating in large groups and whatever. But uh, yeah, it's just going to we're going to have a real packed movie schedule later this year, probably. At some point, yeah, the the the, the summer movie schedule might like like well, a lot of these movies are going to get crushed all summer. Is probably what's going to happen when they get yeah. re released kind of later. Yeah. So. Yep. But we did start getting the first reactions to Mulan, the Disney live action remake, and they're actually pretty good. Still not going to see it, but they're actually pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I'm also not going to see it, but they are tempting me because they're saying it's very like similar to other like Wuja style movies like Crouching Tiger, Hidden mm-hmm. Dragon, and that very much appeals to me. But if Disney's doing it, then and I don't know, I just it yeah. the, the, none of these live action remakes have been good so no yeah also live nation also pulled like live event stuff eh? so like oh yeah yeah all kinds of concerts all the concerts are done yeah like i knew pearl jam had canceled their their tour at the beginning of the week like they were the first one to announce it but yeah now it's starting to see like the live nation like the deftones are pulling themselves tools doing the same thing that's cool the the letter kenny tour has been uh, postponed indefinitely and uh, and then just huge fucking trade shows and genre cons as well so yeah uh, e3 in la totally fucking canceled Mm -hmm. uh like not even like we're gonna hold it later just totally canceled and that is like the biggest show of the year for For, video games there's been some rumors going around that e3 was kind of troubled and this is kind of beneficial to them so yeah like might work out for the best for them, but yeah, that's that's a big show. Like I think Toronto Comic Con is still supposed to be happening in a couple of weeks, but like I know they just canceled Anaheim, like Wizard World or yeah, whatever one, that was uh, supposed to be. WonderCon has been postponed that's indefinitely. It. Yeah, which is kind of the prelude to SDCC, which is they're also like we don't yeah. know what we're gonna do. It's sold out and like ones. <laughs> yeah, because that one's in like July. Mid, uh, yeah, like late July kind of thing. Yeah. So there's a few months left for that, but WonderCon was supposed to be like the uh, 10th to 12th of April. So I yeah. mean, you. know, a few, like um, literally a month. month away kind of thing yeah. so and, and uh california as a whole has um the governor banned any group like congregations over 250 yeah. people so oh do they go that low yeah i think i think the governor uh yeah New- okay Newsom went that low so. okay because oregon was 500 last time i read so i was just making sure the numbers are all straight so yeah i think all um, those big the big all the west coast states have now done that because i'm pretty sure washington bc those. and i think yeah. bc just did as well so yeah yeah. Um, and on top of that, Disneyland is closed 
in LA. Both of their parks in California, uh, Disneyland and California Adventure, for at least through the end of this month. I know my sister in particular is pretty upset about that. Um, I'm due to go to a wedding in Hawaii and Maui in a couple of weeks, well, week and a bit as we're recording this. And my sister and her husband were going to stop on their way back from that wedding in California for a few days and do Disneyland. And now that is fucked so mm-hmm. yeah we're still waiting to hear because our sister is supposed to be on her way to florida like tomorrow or the day after yeah, I mean, or something like that for march it's fucking, break it's fucking spring break like yeah i've got friends that are down there right now and are saying like yeah parks are still packed because like people had vacations booked so they yeah. fucking went so that's that's this is just asking for fucking trouble right now mm-hmm. just because there's cases in tampa already and stuff because they were talking about like wrestlemania's basically had its plug half pulled and it's yeah. just up to the McMahons now, which means who knows what's going to happen. But like, yeah. that's like 200,000 people descending on the Tampa area on top of that. And I think two weeks is mania. Yeah. It's not this weekend. It's the weekend after. So, yeah. So, I mean, like all the recommendation, I mean, we're not a fucking like news podcast by any stretch. Yeah, no, or don't, no, no. don't turn to us for your fucking like health news or whatever. But, you know, all the health organizations now are saying, you know, just try and stay out of public as much as you can kind of thing because that's the way that community spread is going to happen. And it's not like, you know, everybody's going to die. It's a matter of keeping the spread low so that health healthcare systems are not overtaxed and can handle the cases that are serious that do come in. Yep. So, so, you know, don't use these as the fucking idea to go fucking binge on like, go fucking eat toilet paper sandwiches or some bullshit like that. Like (laughs) people are apparently fucking doing. Wait, (laughs) what? Was that what you had for dinner? Uh, kind of tasted like that, but not exactly. <laughs> That's called salad, Mark. It's called salad. <laughs> oh, I was just talking about the super spicy sausage that I had to ram down my throat. Wait, phrasing. God damn phrasing? it. Phrasing? Are we, are, oh, are we still doing boy. phrasing? <laughs> when Disneyland does reopen, they have announced the opening date for the Avengers Campus, which is going to open in July. On July 18th is the current scheduled opening date, and I'm fucking pretty excited for that. We've talked a little bit about that. Uh, well, we've talked a bit about that in phases. It's got like a Spider-Man ride and like Spider-Man animatronics that are going to get launched over your fucking head and shit like that, and an Ant-Man restaurant with tiny food and giant food, and yeah. I want giant food. I like giant food. <laughs> like a, maybe like a kernel of corn that's blown up to like massive proportion or some shit like that. We'll see. Genius. We'll see what they actually do with that. What else happened this week? That fucking bloodshot movie with Vin Diesel came out and yeah, I'm probably not going to see it. 35%. Yeah. I'll eventually watch it on Netflix as a, like a guilty curiosity more than anything, but. Yeah, I'm not gonna go see it in theaters. Thirty, sorry, thirty four percent now on Rotten Tomatoes. Sweet, that sounds like my kind of movie. Just garbage <laughs> from beginning to end. Like I won't have any problems with that. Just a garbage cool. movie starring Vin Diesel. That's your type of movie. Hey man, I've watched a lot of Fast and Furious movies. You know, <laughs> usually they star The Rock also, so I get that. But like, yeah. Hey, and Guy Pierce is in it, so we know it's quality, right? Because Guy Pierce is in it. Right. That's not how these. That's not how things work anymore, Paul. We need to Iron Man three, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and um, the guy from Outlanders in it too, which you know. That doesn't mean anything to me. You may as well tell me like somebody from Riverdale's in it or something like that. That's not Luke Perry or Jenny Garth, and I think Luke Perry's dead now. So like, yeah, he did. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Speaking of uh, shit that none of us have watched, but that 
does seem to be getting a lot of press and, and interest. Lost in Space, the Netflix series, got renewed for a third and final season. Have you guys watched any of that? Nope. I've been told it's good and that I should yeah. watch it, but like I've also been told a lot of things are good and that I should watch it. So like no. Yeah. I, that's where I'm at with it. Like I've heard good things, but it's so far down my fucking priority list that yeah. who knows when if or when I'll ever get to it. Yep. It's got some yeah. great Canadian talent in it. Molly Parker's in it. Parker Posey's in it. I do like it. Molly Park. Yeah, and I, I really Molly like Parker. Parker Posey. I love Parker Posey. Um Yeah, and- Molly Molly Parker's uh, a favorite of mine. So. Yeah, because she was on uh, Deadwood and yep. and she was in that weird movie where she had sex with corpses. Uh, yep, yep, that one too. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah. It was more more for Deadwood. She was also in. She was in. We're not supposed to talk about it, but she was in House of Cards too. Uh, oh, oh right, yeah. she was. Yeah, yeah. So, but she's in Lost in Space. That's cool. That's cool. I might actually watch it if she's in it. You guys are just giving me segues now because we're talking about House of Cards and shit that's been fucking like SJW canceled, if you want to call it that. <laughs> Harvey Weinstein got fucking sentenced to 23 years in prison this week. Yay! Bye, Felicia! <laughs> Bye. Fucking <laughs> don't let the door hit you where the good Lord splits you, as they say. Yeah. Mm. And he was like all, like, you know, he's all fucking sad on his walker and he just had a stent put in and he was like pleading for like, uh, like a minimum sentence because he's, you know, in bad shape. And nope, judge was like, fuck that. 23 <laughs> years. Goodbye. And that's not even counting. He's still got cases pending in California as well. So he's going to rot in prison. I appreciate this. Justice served. Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Adios. Yep. Let's see. A few kind of random things to finish out. Did you guys see this uh, Lego Nintendo set that they released? This Mario yes. set? I did. I yeah. want it. Where there's like a little Bluetooth Mario that has like a screen for like a mouth and his eyes and in his chest. And like you move him around onto different parts and it like they're little like NFC tags or something like that. And it triggers like different reactions with Mario. And it looks like a lot of fun. Like you can sort of build your own levels and shit. And yeah. Yeah. I want it. I, yeah, I want it, but I don't want to pay the licensing fee for it or like whatever the, the Lego fee will be for that particular kit. It must be dollars or some shit. Yeah. It's going to be some like $800 kit of things. Yeah. (laughs) It costs, it costs the same as a switch. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. (laughs) You probably need a switch to run the fucking thing too. So, <laughs> oh, imagine if they if that was also an amiibo though. That would be kind of cool. I'd be surprised if it wasn't. Yeah, I was just gonna say like, it, why if they didn't do that, that would be fucking dumb. Yeah. Like that should be an amiibo. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> We're all gonna be very disappointed when we get this thing and be like, oh, it's not even an amiibo. They charged me five hundred dollars for it. Well, the thing is, this they is can make shit. it. They can make it into an amiibo. Like, assuming it's got an NFC tag in it, that's. What the amiibo? Yeah, that's what the amiibos use. So right? they could just yeah. send an update to everybody's fucking switch, saying, "Hey, now you can put your Mario Lego dude on your switch and do whatever." Oh, that'd be cool. If they added a Lego Mario character in Smash or something like that, I'd be so down. So or like in Mario, Ma- Mario Maker, it would make sense, right? Because like yeah, it's already sure. like a maker. You know, there's there's crossover there. So I would I would like to see that cart, or I would like to see that in Odyssey, probably too. So like, may as well just put it in all the fucking Mario games at that point, because why not? That's cool. Lego Mario is cool. Yeah. I'm in, I'm on board. I'm on board. Um, let's see. We got just one little bit of casting news about the Loki Disney Plus series, and that uh, Richard E. Grant, who people will most recently know uh, as one of the First Order 
chiefs or like villains or whatever in Rise of Skywalker uh, will be um, joining the cast for that show. Cool. So uh, he's a, I like him as a villain. So I hope, I mean, I'm assuming they're going to make him a villain in that show, but who knows? Isn't that all he plays? Yeah. I mean, he's got the face for it. Yeah, he does. So, and then finally, uh, this one was a nice like fucking blast in the past for me. So anybody that followed comics in like the, in the eighties will remember when they did that like phone in campaign as to whether the Joker should kill or spare Jason Todd, the second Robin. And what happened was people fucking killed him. Like there was yep. like, it was like a margin of like 70 something votes or something like that out of like thousands of votes that were cast and people, yeah, were like, no, fuck this guy. He's out. And uh, so the Joker killed him, but they had actually drawn the art for the reverse for basically Joker beating him to a bloody pulp, but Jason Todd surviving that. And so we actually got to see the panels and the pages from Jason Todd surviving that it's basically just like, Batman like being like, oh my god, he's alive! I need to get him to the hospital, kind of thing. And that's I, I feel it. like I've seen that before. Like I'd seen this like ages ago, but I mean, cool. Yeah, it's just one of those cool like little oddities, right? It's not one of those things that probably was ever meant to see the light of day, and it's yeah. interesting when they do. Who penciled that? Because that was um. Oh man, you know what? Uh, Never mind. That's that's a rabbit hole we do not need to go down to right now. Because I'm sure it it's just uh, they, they do Tim Aparo. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, okay. I like his Batman stuff. That's right. He did draw that whole arc, didn't he? Yeah. Good so it was ba- Batman number 428. A death in the yeah. family is the storyline. That was everything that I had for this week. Unless you guys had anything to add. Nope. Did everything just stall? No. no okay. That good. Just, thought... That was just you not answering me in there. Sorry. I was having an awkward silence, which is going to stay in now. Yeah, I'm leaving it in. I uh, was looking <laughs> at the news and I was just kind of like marveling at uh, Mario, you know, <laughs> And I don't see anything else, so we're good. We can go. It's we can move on. Lego Mario. All right. Well, with that, we can move on to our Geek of the cues. Week. Not just me. Not just me. Geek of the Week. Apparently, everybody is doing the fuck out this week. Oh. I'm, la- I'm <laughs> lagging a little bit, guys. I don't know why I'm lagging, and Mark doesn't seem to be lagging, but I am. Okay. I'm controlling your bandwidth. Oh, Actually, no, yeah. hold on. <laughs> Mark's got like a, a legitimate throttle beside him that he's using yeah. to censor <laughs> Paul when he doesn't want to hear from him. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, so Geek of the Week is where we uh, each discuss the nerdiest things that we've done in the past week or so. So let's go to Paul first. What was your Geek of the Week? Um, definitely more Final Fantasy fourteen because I haven't been doing much else besides going to the gym, playing Final Fantasy fourteen, and applying for new jobs in Korea. Yeah, I'm going back. So, uh, I, <laughs> I, uh, You've been back for like a week. I'm going back in June. I'm looking for jobs for June. So I'm not going back right away or anything like that. I've still got some time here in Canada. You're going back just after I move up there, probably. Yeah. So we'll we'll have a brief reunion, and then... I'll reunion? Have you guys ever actually physically met? You've never physically met. Well, I mean... Union. Okay, union. Yeah. Your brother and I are going to have a union, Mark. A union. Gross. I didn't need to know any of that. A union. Gross. <laughs> also jealous. But wait, no? <laughs> Shit. This is confusing. Mark, yeah. Mark, you said the quiet part out loud. <laughs> I've been doing that a lot today. Um... <laughs> I think I have coronavirus and need to sequester myself. Guys. <laughs> it, you haven't yeah, done that so, already? Have you? 
<laughs> I mean, I'm an artist. That's kind of how we live. That's how things these things go. Yeah. Like I had to poke my head out to realize that there was a coronavirus happening. It didn't, <laughs> doesn't really change my life one way or the other. So oh, sorry. There you go. Sorry. Go ahead, Paul. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, Final Fantasy fourteen. I've almost finished Heaven's Ward, which is the second expansion, and it's really good, and it's a lot of dragons fighting each other, and it's like fantasy dragon soap opera. I dig it. It's a, it's good fun. And being a healer in an MMORPG, really stressful, but kind of addicting. I'm kind of addicted to, like, the stress and the adrenaline of being a healer now. So uh, it's fun. But And I'm looking forward to starting the next expansion. So that's my Geek of the Week. Cool. Uh, Mark, how about you? I don't really, I've been doing the same thing over and over again the last this week. And that's listen to Paul play Final Fantasy. 14 <laughs> goes slowly crazy. No, I've been playing uh, some old Final Fa- uh, Castlevania games. I'm not, I'm not playing Final Fantasy. That would never, ever, ever yeah. happen ever again. <laughs> I've just been playing some old Castlevania games. So I was ripping through. I'm trying to clear out Rondo of Blood. I get the platinum for it on PlayStation, but it's like old school Castlevania hard. And Paul's probably heard me swearing and throwing controllers <laughs> so around much. a little bit. So <laughs> I just, I have no skills left whatsoever. Like, oh god, yeah, I, I, I bombed my controller across the room at one point. Like, I was having a just. <laughs> was that what that was yesterday? Yeah, I like lobbed it, and it just knocked a whole bunch of shit over. And I was like, oh. yep, that's that's where I'm at right now. Noted. Fuck you. I, was that, I can't remember if that was Shaft or uh, Dracula, but w- either way, they've both been pissing me off for the last two days, and I'm almost you got like I'm almost by the Shaft. I. This is coming up a lot this week. <laughs> phrasing again, phrasing. I heard it when I said it. <laughs> so yeah, I just been playing a lot of Castlevania, and like that's what I've been doing, and it's driving me slowly insane. Slowly insane. So there you go. Fine. My Geek of the Week has been driving me kind of slowly insane as well. What with the you know coronavirus outbreak and the U.S. Democratic primaries going on right now, there is a lot of misinformation and disinformation and mischaracterized information on the internet at the moment on my friends list. And anybody that knows me knows that that is one of my biggest fucking pet peeves in the world. So I have been like what I will call fighting misinformation online, which is loosely defined as me getting into fights with people on Facebook for sharing (laughs) bullshit. Also loosely defined as Mark unfollowing Tim for a 30 day (laughs) period, because all I see in my fucking timeline is Tim yelling at other people and me being like, I get this on the podcast once a week. I don't fucking need this in my everyday. (laughs) Just want to throw this out there. Will Wheaton just liked my Star Trek drawing of him. Uh, I mean, I got my Jerry Ryan, which was bigger than Will Wheaton, so but my more exciting than Will Wheaton. I don't know. Will Wheaton's like OG TNG, though. Uh, that's true. That is. That is. That is. Yeah. That's, that is the real folks. I mean, that's like he's Wesley, so it's not like really one of the real ones, but it's like <laughs> yeah, that's no pretty awesome. Sh- Thank you, Will Wheaton. I you mean, made my night. <laughs> we'd have to do a study or something to see if like he was on TNG more than uh, Seven of Nine was on voyager i could do that i could run those come, yeah she didn't season come around so like yeah season four or something like that and then she, even then she wasn't like was she was she like a regular season oh yeah after that she yeah. was she was a regular as soon as she started on the show they yeah. they fired the other girl so they could bring her in uh, jennifer right. Leon was fired at that point to right, uh right. bring jerry ryan in so i would assume from like season four till the end so that's yeah, like four full seasons. And he left in middle of season three, I believe. Like end of mm-hmm. season three. 
and he was never full time like he was never on every episode so i would imagine she has more episodes under her belt and she's come back for picard so that just goes to show you how much star trek loves her more than him there's that <laughs> i think he's doing the podcast thing though right like he's he doing is. the after trek thing yeah, so. yeah 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 they asked him to do that which is also pretty cool yeah. it is very cool yeah no um, one ever shouted "Shut up, Seven, Though, Mark, shut up, Wesley is true. the line. <laughs> that's Iconic. true. We've, that's yeah. true. And he loves it. He loves it when you say that to him on his Facebook or on the yeah. social media platforms. So everybody yeah. should definitely not go do that. Because I was, I was hoping he would comment so that I could write it back to him. Because I'm like, that'll be the only time I ever get to say it where I know he'll see it. You know what I mean? <laughs> where if he commented on the drawing, I'd be like, Yeah, shut up, Wesley. Ah. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna. Sorry, man. That's really. And then, and then, like CBS calls you and like discontinues your license for yeah, <laughs> being yeah. able to do Star Trek prints ever again. Yeah, and then uh, that would I have to go throw myself down the stairs. That's good. <laughs> Anyways, yes, I've been getting in fights with idiots on the internet. Um, in particular, my high school physics teacher, who I used to like really look up to, but is like apparently a hardcore fucking like communist bernie bro guy like not even like socialist like straight up like loves castro shares like russia today and sputnik and shit like that and all this like deep like he's clearly in in one of those like sort of bernie bro like circles where they just all feed into each other and like have Mm -hmm. you know come up with all these conspiracies and and shit and all this like deep state bullshit Mm -hmm. and it's Oh God. And I mean, most, most of what I do is just like, Hey, for anybody else that might read this, this is horse shit. Just so you know, kind of thing. And he doesn't <laughs> like that. <laughs> and so, Obviously. Cause like, you know, it's, it's the situation where you're probably never going to change the mind of the person that posted it. But I feel like I'm doing something good. If somebody else comes across it and second guesses it because they see, Oh wait, this guy says that that isn't true. And there's a link that disproves it to like, a fucking reputable news outlet or some fucking actual data or something like that. So fingers crossed. That's what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. It got so bad this week that my sister, my mom and my wife all independently reached out to me and were like, why are you doing this? Like, why are you spending so much time on this? Just like, give it up. Like, yeah. Can't. It's one of those things I just cannot let go. It was, we, we did this. We've done this on the podcast. Numerals. Innumerable times at this point where we're like, Tim, why are you basically running at windmills like you're don quixoting it just yeah. for shits and giggles so what i've decided is that it's much easier to just be like hey you know what? i don't need to hear from tim for like this month because he's re- it's just gonna get worse from here like it's only gonna get worse because it's only gonna get worse which means you're gonna be dealing with that shit i'm glad you have a full-time job because if you were unemployed like me you'd be having that's all you'd be doing is bitching at people on fucking facebook yeah. i just do it on reddit i mean at this point like and the thing is like i'm not you know, I, I do it from any side. Like if it's some like fucking like hardcore Republican bullshit, if it's like some hardcore like Bernie bro bullshit, if it's like fucking centrist, like Bernie's a communist and we can't, he's unelectable kind of thing. Like I'll call people out on it. So I'm an equal opportunity. Unfortunately, most of the bullshit seems to come from those extreme wings of each party. So yeah, usually, yeah. usually anyways. All right. Well, with that, we can move on to our, Meat of the episode. Meaty music of the year. So because uh, everything is delayed, uh, we don't have anything new to review. And like all of this sort of TV shit that we'll probably end up talking about is still mid-season-y kind of thing. So yep. I thought we could do a music episode. And, you know, not necessarily like a top albums or anything like that. But, I mean, Mark and I in the past have kind of thrown around these casual conversations about like, oh, man, that 
year was fucking amazing in music because all this great shit came out or like all this awesome stuff happened or whatever. So I thought we would have sort of a discussion, maybe a light debate about sort of the best years in music in our lifetime, sort of that we personally experienced. So what I asked the guys to do is to each sort of prepare a case for their year of choice. And I foolishly pick the one that Mark and I always go back to, or not selfishly pick the one that Mark and I always yeah. go back to. So I, do you guys want me to just go first then? Cause I picked the good one. Sure. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm okay to let you guys go first. Oh, want. I don't even know what Paul picked. So like, I'm not even sure what your Paul picked. So there's that. Why don't we, why, yeah, why don't we start? Why don't we start with, cause like, come on, like this is the one we, none of, of us can really argue with at the end of the day. Like even Paul will agree with this probably when we're when we're all like we're going to decide which one of these is the real like best year in music. I bet you the consensus is that it's this year. But you picked it, and then forced me to go pick another one, so I had to go do that. So now we have to fight. So let's do this. (laughs) Well, and and to be clear, I uh, I sort of I, I didn't necessarily say it just has to be like albums that happened that year. It could be like other events in music as well can be factored in, and also it doesn't have to be albums that came out that year. Like if there's shit that came out the year before, but like had a a real lasting impression and had like a bunch of singles that were coming out in the year uh, that we're talking about. That is fair game as well. Just so the parameters are set. Uh, that being said, I chose 1997 for my year because just so many fucking outstanding albums came out. And when I started like diving a little deeper, I found like that there was a shit ton of like uh, singles, like basically one hit wonders and shit that came out that year as well. That just have had massive staying power too. But I'm going to start out just with albums. I mean, there's something in here for all of us. OK Computer, Radiohead's like fucking seminal album came out this year. And that is in like my top five albums of all time. And I know it's up there for Mark as well. And feel free to jump in here and stop me if you guys have anything to say as well. Pinkerton came out in September 96, but really it sort of gained traction mostly in 97 because it wasn't really successful right away, which is part of the whole story of Pinkerton and how it affected Rivers and everything and how he took a break from music after that. For Mark, we have Underdogs. His, your, that's your favorite Matt, Matt Good album, right? I think a band album, yeah. It's yeah. my favorite of his, the, the band's albums, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, and also Transmission, Tea Party album. Yep, mm-hmm. excellent record, too. Psycho Pomp's on there, fantastic yeah. album. And uh, for Paul, that was the year that uh, Homogenic came out from Bjork. Yep, absolutely. One of the best albums of all time, period. (laughs) (laughs) Fallow, one of the best Weaker Than albums came out that year. Uh, The Foo Fighters, Color and the Shape came out that year, which had both Everlong and My Hero on it. Still their best record, too, to this day. Yeah, I, I would probably agree with that. I usually I like I like the first one, but like that's basically a Dave Grohl solo album. So like I the second one is yeah, it's the best Foo Fighters album for for sure. Yeah. So. My favorite Prodigy album, The Fat of the Land, came out that year, uh, which has like Breathe and Firestarter and Smack My Bitch Up and a bunch of other awesome tracks on there. Uh, a fucking awesome year for Canadian music. We've already talked about Matt Good and Tea Party, but and and the Weaker Than's Big Rex best fucking album and debut album in loving memory of came out that year two awesome treble well one awesome treble charger came out that year the last good treble charger album came out that year maybe it's me yep. and then self equals title came out right before like in sort of fall of, of 96 yep 
probably not the best Ben Folds 5 album, but a really good Ben Folds 5 album, Whatever and Ever Amen came out. Blink-182's first dip into successes this year with Dude Ranch. That's the album that had Damn It on it. Mark, what do you think about U2's album from this year? Uh, 90, there isn't an album in 97. It's 96. It's pop. Pop's 96. Oh, is it? Okay. It came yeah. up as 97 when I was looking at it. They had singles coming out as in 97, but it, I'm oh, pretty okay. sure the original release was like late 96. And then yeah. uh, it like the obviously the album cycle lasted into the next year, especially because U2 tours last. And we're going to talk about it because my year includes a U2 tour that lasted two years. So there mm-hmm. you go. This tour was pretty crazy as well. Like what is it? Pop, yeah. Pop Mart or whatever? The Pop Mart Pop tour Mart. was yeah. like one of the biggest tours. It, it was the biggest tour ever mounted at the time, probably. So... Mm-hmm. That Blur self-titled album, which was fucking massive, like mm-hmm. Song 2, what, that song was just everywhere, everywhere. for fucking like everywhere. half a year kind of thing. The best part is that song is a fucking riff. It's a joke about alternative music and what did it become, and it became the biggest alternative music yeah. song of the year or something well, like it was, that. It, I mean, it, it, it was a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? It was like, here, like we can make you like something just by making this really generic thing that has wide appeal, and it did. Yeah, it worked it, perfectly. It did, yeah. <laughs> Um, but it also had uh, Beetlebum and M.O.R. Middle of the Road on it, which are both awesome songs. Yep. In electronic dance music, the Chemical Brothers Dig Your Own Hole came out that year, which has fucking some outstanding tracks on it. In more poppy stuff, that was the year that Third Eye Blind's self-titled album came out. And like Semi-Charmed Life and Jumper and How's It Gonna Be were fucking just, again, just everywhere omnipresent that year and ever fucking since. <laughs> yeah. Going more into the emo side of things, uh, Elliot Smith's most renowned album, Either Or, came out in 97. It was the year of Daft Punk's first big hits from their album Homework. Defunk and Around the World came out in 97. It was the year that David Bowie and Trent Reznor came together yep. to make Earthling. Chad, I'm Afraid of Americans on it, and A Little Wonder. It had one of my, f- probably, maybe not my favorite Everclear album. But uh, so much for the Afterglow, which has a lot of amazing Everclear tunes on it. Uh, a pretty solid Green Day album was Nimrod, and that had Good Riddance Time of Your Life on it, which is just another one of those songs that just stood the test of time. Whether you like it or not, Smash Mouth's Fushi Man came out that year. This is pre-All-Star, so you can't oh, hate right. on it that much. But it had Walking on the Sun. We're still allowed to hate on it as much as we want to. It's fine. <laughs> it's still Smash Mouth. <laughs> uh, this is the year that Limp Biscuits cover of Faith came out, which again, oh my god, fucking everywhere. That's the first. Was that the? That's the year Adrenaline comes out too. I'm pretty sure, right? The first Def. No, that's this will be around the fur. '97 is this the the second Deftones album? Is '97? Okay. I think so. Evil Empire is '97. You you haven't mentioned yet. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Evil Empire is a 1997 album. Oh, if if it's not, it must be like it must be '96 or something. Yeah, hold on. Uh, where's all my tabs? Yeah, it came out mid mid '96, but there was probably oh. some. I mean, that was another album where they just kept releasing singles. The singles were crazy. Yeah. yeah. And okay. It, yeah, they, they had a lot of lasting power uh, there. So yeah, and that. Yeah, I mean, there's probably some some influence there, definitely in 97. Spiritualized had their biggest album. Um, ladies and gentlemen, we're photoing in space. That soundtrack to Lost Highway, which I have very fond memories of, came yep. out in 97 as well. Perfect drug. We were just talking about David Lynch like oh, yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday, yeah. yeah. And then uh, in terms of stuff that sort of released late 96, uh, but that had a big impact in 97, the self-titled Sublime album. Beck's Odelay had like four singles, three or four singles in 97. Um, basically everything except where it's at was released as a single in 97. I was wrong. Uh, Pop did come out in 97. 3rd of uh, March. I don't know. I don't know why I had I, I owe you two Mark. 
we can end the podcast now. Yeah, it's done. It's over. It's good. <laughs> yep. And close up shop. That's uh, fucked up. I don't know why I thought of 96, but either way. <laughs> it was uh, the lady. I think it was supposed to come on 96, but whatever. That just means yeah. I'm wrong. There you go. More awesome Canadian music that came out sort of late 96. Big Sugar's Hemivision, I'm Mother Earth, Scenery and Fish, and Sloan's One Chord to Another all came out in like late 96 and definitely had a presence. Yeah, Trouble with the Hen House was still on the air too. Right. So there's lots of, there's always hip going on. I know that's not your thing, but <laughs> they were everywhere. You're, you're, 97's that weird year where like there's just not a hip or a Pearl Jam album. Like you're yeah. in between because there's a 96 Pearl Jam and hip album and there's a 98 Pearl Jam and hip album, but 97 they missed somehow both bands. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. strange. Oh, Econoline Crush had their album, yep. The Devil You Know, 1997. I love that album. Yep, that was, Which that was, was an excellent record. Yeah, yeah with uh, All That You Are was on that. Cake's Fashion Nugget came out that year which had all or came out like late 96 and had massive staying power as well again love it or hate it dave matthews band crash came out in late 96 and the wallflowers uh bringing down the horse came out in late 96 as well mm-hmm. yeah one headlight <laughs> yeah i had one that album oh, i owned that album Sixth avenue heartache you did yep. you did and um, in terms of One Shot Wonders, uh, we already said uh, All That You Are, but some of some other just outstanding ones that have really stood the test of time. Harvey Danger's Flagpole Sitta came out in 97. Marcy's Playground, Sex and Candy. I fucking love that song. Yeah. Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, which again, love it or hate it, was everywhere. The impression that I get. Uh, Sugar Ray featuring Supercat with Fly was everywhere. Oh, I fucking hate that song. <laughs> <laughs> was this the year of The Way by Fastball also? That feels like a 90s. No, that might no, be earlier. I think that 90, might be that's 96. Yeah, okay. But this enough. was the year of Bittersweet Symphony by the Birds. Oh. And that Your Woman song by White Town. Oh, I love and, that song. Yeah. And Drinking in LA by Brand Van 3000. Amazing song. I remember <laughs> they made a Edgefest appearance that year. They were at yeah. Edgefest that year and got booed off the stage because their equipment wasn't working properly and they couldn't sing in tune without it. <laughs> that's they got pelted with water bottles as is Edgefest tradition so <laughs> there's that and uh, my last two singles for this year that uh, really stood the test of time are two that probably could not be more diametrically opposed Rammstein's Du Hast yeah and uh, Natalie Imbruglia's Torn oh, I love that song I like both of those songs actually I'm okay with both of those too yeah I like both of those a lot. Actually. I think those, both of those songs might be on my mom's cleaning playlist. Actually, she is a big Rammstein <laughs> vacuum person. Mom does love Rammstein an awful lot. Oh, that's just on there because I think most of the music is from us, basically. So I have that. See, <laughs> I've owned that record forever. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. And then, I mean, you know, obviously on this podcast, we tend to skew more towards, with the exception of Paul sometimes, the more like rock and alternative and indie and maybe some metal kind of stuff. But there was like... Maybe oh. some metal. Oh. <laughs> uh, but there was definitely, you know, this was a big year for pop and hip hop as well. It was the year the Spice Girls blew up. It was the year Mariah Carey released Butterfly that had honey on it. Mm-hmm. It was the year of tub thumping of Chumbawamba. Oh, wow. That's right. It was, wasn't it? <laughs> it was Mbop year with Hanson. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, we can't go with like, it was the year Biggie was shot and killed. Yep. And then it was the year that Life After Death came out that had uh, Hypnotize and, and Mo Money, Mo Problems on it. Yep. Missy Elliott's first album came out, Super Duper Fly, Backstreet's Back came out, Erica Badu's debut album, that massive fucking Savage Garden album came out that year. Ooh, and, yep. yep. And Christie's favorite, 
Aquarium by Aqua came out uh, in 1997. So good. So, <laughs> I'll go to bat for Aqua, I swear. I remember getting that CD twice as a birthday gift by accident because two people bought it for me. And <laughs> by I, so quote I unquote one. accident. Oh man, I I could have worn out the first one. Honestly, I I listened to it that much. So, <laughs> in terms of sort of more, you know, not necessarily albums or singles, uh, other music kind of stuff that happened this year. This this is pretty much the year that that Marilyn Manson sort of fear and everything was at its height. Like you know, that's true. Yeah, like that. This was the year that like people were canceling his concerts in the south uh, southern U.S. and shit like that because they were like, oh, he's a satanist. He's gonna infect our children and shit and. It was the year of the first Ozfest in DC. Mm-hmm. It was the year of the first Lilith Fair in Washington State. Yeah. Uh, this is the year that Elton John performs "Candle in the Wind" at Princess Di's funeral. It was the year in Excess lead singer Mike Hutchins is found dead in his hotel room, and it was the year that Gary Glitter was arrested for kitty porn on his laptop. Yep. <laughs> I remember that story too. Good times. <laughs> Man, like 311's Transistor came out this year. Uh, mm-hmm. Our Lady Peace is Clumsy came out in, two, in 1997. Yeah, I almost included that one because I've got some fond that's memories of, of the singles nuts. on that album. Yeah. Uh, and then this was also the year, that year that basically like Afro-Cuban music kind of like blew up. Remember that like Buena Vista Social Club album that yes, like all our yeah. fans had, yep. and uh, and Afro Cuban All Stars. Both of those were this year as well, and I mean those have still like those still kick around pretty often too. And so yeah, just a lot, a lot of amazing music, and just a lot of really iconic stuff in music happened in in and around '97, and that's why it is my proposal for the greatest year in music in our lifetimes. Valid. Uh, it's hard to argue with this one or really comment on it because it, it was my initial choice also <laughs> until Tim was like, it's mine. Go f- pick your other one, Grunge Boy. And I was like, fine. Yeah, I got to exercise like host privileges. Sometimes. Yeah. So <laughs> 97 would have been my pick like overall just because of all these reasons that Tim is talking about and also reasons that I am just looking at now because I didn't look at your year. I looked at my year. <laughs> <laughs> But no, this is like, it's a crazier music. Like everybody, everything I like was kind of active at this point or like starting to be active. So like, like this is even the year, like right after Anima came out. So Tool would have been like active mm-hmm. and touring around doing Lollapalooza and stuff like that. And like at their, one of their peaks, one of their many peaks, I guess. And yeah. And that's the thing is it's just one of those years where like all sorts of amazing stuff started yeah. or all sorts of amazing bands, like just hit their peak, you know, in a lot of cases, peaks that they've never since achieved again. Yeah, or uh, Crash and Burn, because this is also the year Soundgarden broke up initially. So there is that, too. <laughs> That's true. Probably also the year that Alice in Chains would have officially gone on hiatus, because Lane would have disappeared by now. So those two bands are mm-hmm. dead. They would have been huge for the decade previous up to that point. So yeah. craziness. Yeah, more but. huge developments, yeah. Yeah, so I yeah, know 97, like, yeah, it's very much a year where I'd be like, yeah, I could, yep, yep, fine. Cool. <laughs> All right. Well, then let's let's go to you then, Mark. Since I, I took yours away, I'll let you go second. All right. Well, I mean, because I know I took the I took an easy one for me to do because it's not super hard to do. But I picked 1991. Although I'm like I have it like 1991, 1992 because it's kind of hard to delineate where everything was happening. The albums all came out in 91. But then all the cool stuff happens in 92, right? Mm-hmm. Like the explosion of stuff happens in 92. Gosh. Yeah. So like, so obviously I picked that kind of era. And then we're going to talk about a fun little town called Seattle because (laughs) 
holy shit. But actually, no, just like the, the top level of albums that I picked up for 1991, which are it's an insane list of albums that are still like that are million selling like multi-platinum albums that are still probably selling copies to this day. So the Use Your Illusion albums came out. The Black Album by Metallica. So Metallica's self-titled album came out. Mm-hmm. Upswing Baby by U2 came out. 10 Oof. by Pearl Jam came out. Nevermind by Nirvana came out. Bad Motor Finger by Soundgarden came out. Blood Sugar Sex Magic by the Red Hot Chili Wait, Peppers came what's out. On, what's on Bad Motor Finger? Jesus Christ Pose. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Out of Time by the R.E.M. came out that year. Loveless by the Jesus and Mary Chain. Diamonds and Pearls by Prince. Leisure, which I can't remember who that's. Um, shit, I'd write the album name. I'll have to look at it. N.W.A. N-Word for Life uh, came out that year. Yeah. <laughs> Laughing Stock by Talk Talk came out that year. Gish by the Smashing Pumpkins came out that year. Mm-hmm. Trompe Le Monde, the Pixies follow-up to Doolittle came out. Dave Matthews and Caius both put out their first records. And if you include 1992, you can also throw in stuff like Angel Dust by Faith No More and Dirt by Alice in Chains into that like calendar year of craziness. So that's why my 1991 is kind of like a pretty good pick. Yeah, and the cool thing there is how much of that is all coming out of that one scene. Yeah. Like, 97 is, like, all over the place. Like, those bands are global. Like, you know, there's UK shit. There's stuff from all over Canada, all over the US. But so much of that was focused around that, like, Seattle grunge scene. Well, it's, it's funny because 1991 is an interesting year, just, like, in terms of talking about music history. Because it's, like, the year the labels just kind of didn't know what to do with themselves for a year. Where, like... At the beginning of the year, they had Madonna and a huge Michael Jackson album on the horizon and Guns N' Roses may or may not put Use Your Illusion out. And I think Def Leppard's Adrenalize was one of the al- the other big albums that came out this year. And they had stuff like Paula Abdul happening and all this other stuff. But in this weird corner of the country, all of a sudden things just went nuts, right? And you've got all of a sudden on the radio, Nirvana and Pearl Jam getting played on mainstream rock radio, which... Yeah. At the time, would have been real, like, what the fuck is going on? Where is this? Like, this is the college rock, right? That was yeah. happening in the 80s. That was all alternative. And now it's, like, on MTV, the most popular thing ever. All this craziness is happening. Well, on MTV, I mean, we didn't even really talk, like, music videos for 97. But, like, MTV was massive in the rise yeah. of that grunge stuff. Because, like, that as- that you could get a visual idea of that aesthetic that was coming through in those music videos that you yep. know, weren't getting before that kind of thing as well. And, yeah. Yeah, no, uh, MTV, like much music, like the music video scene at that point was like, I mean, it, I'm trying to think, I, I mean, you could argue it was bigger in 97 because by that point they'd like perfected commercializing it to the point where it was just like, it we was had more Backstreet Boys in the like 90s, yeah, the 91 early, early 90s. Yeah. Well, it was like the, the, you could look at the Pearl Jam videos and like they're, they have the one fancy artsy video with Jeremy. But their other two videos are live performance videos, right? Like they have, that was very popular at that point. Like those, a lot of the Guns N' Roses videos were just live performance, kind of like shooting the band, like faking playing the thing in a warehouse. Like that was every music video, I think, yeah. of all time. So uh, especially at that point. But then you started getting the artsy stuff and that kind of changed. I mean, that was always around because Michael Jackson had been doing these weird, insane things for decades at that point or at least a decade at that point yeah and like the in terms of like even early on in the mtv stuff there was video killed uh, radio star and stuff Mm -hmm. like that so um the music videos were all safety dance cloud snowmi was around doing his shit Uh, you know like there was a lot of weird stuff happening already in music videos so the seattle i think like actually most of the rock and roll bands were taking pretty safe routes and doing like performance-based videos so yeah it's just interesting this is the last time also you'll see like a singular movement kind of take over pop culture for like a year and just like 
that's all that was really like you. I mean, yes, other stuff was happening and you were still hearing about Guns N' Roses and Paul Abdul's album came out that year, like her premiere debut album came out that year. And we were talking about it yesterday. I'm pretty sure. Was it, did we say 91 was Mariah Carey? Because I'm pretty sure this is like the first Mariah Carey album came out this year too. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I think it was 91. Yeah, the yeah. self-titled. Again, uh, we're going to be talking about Mariah Carey with my year too. The woman is <laughs> a course. fucking unstoppable force. <laughs> like it, she's the best-selling artist like for multiple years. We were looking at like who is the best-selling and it like her name just keeps popping up over and over again. Like, and again, as we said before, for better or for worse. Yeah, for better or for worse. <laughs> So yeah, so it was just it's 1991 is actually very interesting, like in terms of just the history that happened that year. I mean, this is also the year Freddie Mercury passed away, right? And they had the the big concert for him and stuff. So mm. like all this kind of stuff was happening. So you were seeing this huge shift in the way like the record industry dealt with stuff. You're seeing alternative nation become mainstream nation, basically. I don't know. It's just like a crazy year, and I didn't do as much research as Tim did because <laughs> I don't know. I'm OCD like that. Yeah, because Tim's crazy and OCD. But like, yeah, you can talk about all kinds of stuff happening that year. But like, it's undoubtedly a sea change year in music for sure. Yeah, because yeah. we still got like Whitney Houston. We're not even talking about like the big stuff. Like Whitney Houston was a huge pop sensation that year. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. Black Crows dropped an album that like nobody ever talks about anymore. Uh, Smashing Pumpkins. Like like the fact that they were in Chicago doing basically the same thing that was happening in Seattle, and then yeah, getting lumped in with that scene. And let us not forget Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> is that 91 i don't think that was a little 91 i thought that was a little later hooting the blowfish was like a 94 95 oh, kind of thing i'm pretty sure maybe but yeah i'm just looking at the album list of like stuff that came out but like ooh, sting the soul cages that sounds awesome i bet you that album's fantastic <laughs> not true sorry screaming trees uh, uncle anastasia also came out that year so like the screaming trees are starting so like that's all their other seattle stuff this Joni mitchell's still releasing albums in 1991 unless that's like a a reissue, but no, Night Ride Home. I think that was her last record, right? No, maybe not. Oh, it's this is the year that uh, that Jesus Jones album came out with Right Here, Right Now on it. Yep. Uh, I'm pretty sure 1991 is also the year that uh, Van Hagar debuted, was it not? Was that when they brought... Oh, I wouldn't... The, maybe. I, I don't. I can't remember anymore. I'm not a big... I'm not a big enough Van Halen fan to really give a shit one way yeah, or the boy. other, but I'm pretty sure that's around the time. Boys to Men's uh, uh, debut album was 91? Yep. Uh, Alanis Morissette's debut, like pop debut, came out that year, 1991. Actually, I'm looking at the list right now. That's very entertaining. The fucking New Jack City uh, soundtrack. Mm-hmm. See, nice. Temple of the Dog also came out in 1991 in a rush because they've suddenly realized that hey, we have Soundgarden and Pearl Jam, and they're the biggest things since sliced bread, and we can we have an album of them recording together. Let's put it out. We've been sitting on it for two years. Yeah. Is this no? Is this no effects debut too? Or is it? Let's see. No, not their very first. They were like late 80s was when they started coming out. Yeah. Sushi and the Banshees, uh, Superstition came out that year. There's lots of crazy stuff. Craftwork, The Mix came out that year. Typo Negatives, lots of big metal stuff was starting to happen there. Pretty crazy. Rick Okasik put out a solo album that year. Oh, Lenny Lenny Kravitz is uh, yeah, Lenny Kravitz came out this it? year with with Always in the Run and Fields of Joy and, and Over Till It's Over all came out that year. Yeah. Nice. First Mr. Bungle album, which is a if you're a big deal if you're a Faith No More. Oh fuck! Yeah, I'm blanking on too. <laughs> I blanking. It's the guy from Tomahawk. I, I was just talking about Faith No More with Blake on Twitter. Well, and I just wrote Blake instead of Faith No More. <laughs> the Crash Test Dummies album with Superman song came out that year. That's true. Mike Patton. Holy shit! How do I forget? <laughs> Mike fucking Patton. Anyway, so Mike Patton was doing stuff. I mean, Mike Patton's been doing stuff every year since he got broke into the music business, really. But 
yeah so like the, yeah it's just it's a crazy year right like those two user illusion albums were huge like bad motorfinger blood sugar sex magic like these huge albums coming out and it's just this weird sea change in the way things kind of happen in the music industry plus you're also having that transition from like this is really like the end of vinyl and like cds now just like that's it it's all cd sales kind of thing in the kind of late 80s early 90s so cause like, i'm pretty sure octoon baby was the first cd that anybody in our family owned Mm-hmm. Even remember live that band live like throwing copper throwing whatever yeah. their first album came out in 1991 the mental jewelry or whatever so like it jungle fever came out that year fucking Stevie yep, yep. Pandora's box by Aerosmith like it's craziness it's just craziness mm-hmm. and then there's a Tupac oh it was Tupac's first album Tupacalypse Now was that year too Ooh. so yeah big big stuff there's like yeah. I don't know. So what else happened in 1991? Let's look around. Let's see what happened. Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. <laughs> oh, wait, was that 1991? Really? Yeah. Good Vibrations was uh, was 91. There was like a, a huge dance movement happening around yeah. this time. Like House and Voguing were kind yeah. of a thing. that was When happening. I was flipping through some playlists in Spotify, like CNC Music Factory kept popping up. And like I was I was thinking back to like, was this Electric Circus years? And it probably yeah. was the beginning of Electric Circus years. Like the so original first, Monica Dio version of it. First yeah. album. Yeah. Mr. Bungle's first album yep yeah it's crazy so uh that's kind of why i picked 1991 i mean the obvious like hey like this is the year pearl jam and soundgarden or in nirvana hit the mainstream and we're f- basically about to pull fucking alice and chains along with them and all that craziness that was kind of like the core of my music growing up mm-hmm. started in this year so yeah i have a soft spot for 1991 and like there's out, like huge tours that were happening. I mean, obviously Michael Jackson was doing that dangerous tour. This is which Madonna tour is this? 1991 was. Oh shit! Blonde Ambition. Oh, no, that's um. That earlier. Shit, Lo- Loveless came out in '91. That might oh, yeah, be a yeah. Valentine album. I said that. I said it okay. at the beginning. I must have missed yeah. that one. Yeah, no, I said Loveless at the beginning. Or at least I think it was in my list because we we talked. Paul and I were talking about like what came out that year. And when I said Loveless, we were both like, "Ooh, yeah, yeah." Good. Oh, nice. nineteen ninety was the Blonde Ambition tour, and then she didn't do another tour until nineteen ninety three, which was the Girly Show World Tour. Okay, so it was Blonde Ambition. Okay, yeah, so that but that but that Blonde Ambition tour was like a two or three year long tour right like no it, it was short but it was, was it like short? huge it was just oh, like it, it had ripple effects oh, okay yeah well either way like that was a huge tour that was happening at that point and it was also like leading up to uh, like that's the octung baby zoo tv tour which became like you two changing the way people do live shows and stuff like that with this huge multimedia presentation around them and i mean they could pull it off because they were basically the best band in the fucking planet at that point so they could have done that. But like, yeah, even like REM, like that that album was losing my religion. That was one of the biggest singles of the year. And that's just like weird REM having singles alongside like Paula Abdul and Whitney Houston and Michael Jackson. Like I think he was like they were the the top five singles that year are like huge pop star, huge pop star, huge pop star, huge pop star, REM. It's like what? That's weird. And then that's what happens the next couple of years, right? Because the next the two big singles in ninety two were uh, smells like Teen Spirit, Alive, maybe Jeremy, and then Wood and uh, Jesus Christ Post by Soundgarden are all huge that year. And I'm sure there's pop stuff that was in there too, but you won't see like Michael Jackson at the top of the charts in 92 because all of a sudden like Nirvana's there, right? So I'm pretty sure Nevermind is actually the album that knocked Dangerous off the charts too. So Did you mention that 91 was the first Lollapalooza? Nope. So I didn't go that far into it. That's craziness. Yeah. Yeah, first Lollapalooza as Perry Farrell's, uh, you know, as a farewell for Jane's Addiction. That's the year that he started uh, Lollapalooza in Chicago with Nine Inch Nails, Rage Against Machine, Sushi and the Banshee, Rollins Band also all played it too. Yep. 
Yeah, that would have been that would have been cool to see. Yeah, so here's the biggest singles of 1991. Brian Adams, Everything I Do, I Do It For You from the Robin Hood soundtrack. <laughs> oh my Jesus. god, that was endless. Yeah, no yeah, kidding. That, that song's like 7,000 years old, or 7,000 years long, too. It's like yeah. Michael Jackson, Black or White, which is an awful song. Oh, I like that song. See, I never liked that one. Roxette, Joyride, Scorpions, Wind of Change, and R.E.M. Losing My Religion were the top five singles of this, like that mm-hmm. year, yeah, which is crazy. My religion is, yeah, that one's definitely stood the test of time. Yeah, I was going to say, like, out of all those songs, which one would you put on right now and not have a problem with? But actually, the only one you can say that about is the Losing My Religion one. So, eh, I still like black or white that video yeah. i remember was like really striking at the time had that whole like him turning into a fucking panther and shit oh yeah wasn't that also the one where he for, for, for no reason trashes a street and like destroys yeah. a car at the end of it Ugh. Yep. and all those like face morphs that were actually like really good for the time actually really interesting like talking about how like if, even if we compared and contrasted the music videos of 97 to 1991 like how ostentatious the fucking music video presentation at the top end was in 1991. Like think about like November rain or any of the Madonna videos from this era, or like Mm -hmm. those Michael Jackson videos where they were spending tens of millions of dollars on five minutes of MTV time. Like it's fucking ridiculous. And then by 97, I mean, it's the same stuff, but by then they've kind of perfected the formula. So it's, I mean, the Spice Girls never put out an expensive looking video. They all look cheap. They just sold it on sexy, right? Like, there's never yeah. like they were elaborate Michael Jackson esque productions. I don't know. That wannabe video was like, but it was like one of those all one take kind of things, even though yeah, it probably but, wasn't. But like, it, it was impressive. Oh, no, it definitely isn't. There's like six whip, sh- whip pans in that thing yeah. that are definite cuts. So. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, I remember if for their second album, they increased the budget on the videos because Spice Up Your Life was like for 1997 pretty special effects heavy even though it's like all green screen for the time it was <laughs> cutting edge well that was all that was because they filmed that fucking movie that year too that's right they did do that movie and how many times did we all sit through that video regardless of whatever reason we were sitting through it we all gay, sat through that gay, video gay 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 <laughs> a oh, lot <yeah>. <laughs> paul and paul for different reasons than mark and i but yeah, yeah. i think i was learning I, the choreography for stop right now <laughs> thank you very much i still remember it oh my god Somebody with, <laughs> with a huge see uh, tim remembers it it's, <laughs> the spice the spice is deeply ingrained the spice must flow Hey, I, me and my me and my buddy in uh, high school who was the drummer of my band. We ironically collected ironically. Spice Girls gum that it had like Spice Girl tattoos on it, and we would put them on and wear them around fucking high school. That's ironically. There's a reason I didn't get laid until my senior year, folks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and Fish and Spin Doctors. They both pre- debuted this year in 1991. Oh, also, Spin Doctors album. I love that shit. Oh, really? Yep. That's two princes, right? That's oh, mm-hmm. mm. pocket full of kryptonite. Oh, all right, you're on oh. your own there. <laughs> oh man, like I think that Tim's year is worse for those like flash in the pan, like all light, like <laughs> singer songwriter guys. Because like, yeah, definitely one headlight by the Wallflowers was in that mix of people, but there's like by better. Than I feel like that's 1995. Jake, that's yeah. like two years earlier, I think. Like that was, yeah, uh, yeah. There was like whiplash in between, right? Because like it, that's the way music has always gone. Is it's gone from like heavier, sort of more like 
edgy kind of shit to like really and then it's like backlash to like really poppy kind of yeah. across the board or like really catchy really mild singer songwritery yeah. kind of shit yeah well the one that i thought was like the er example was Kyle bachman she's so high and that was 1998 <laughs> yeah. i was surprised about how late yeah. that was actually and also yeah and also a uh, a child of a, like a classic rocker because that was randy bachman's yeah. kid and oh, jacob right. dylan is bob yeah. dylan's kid yeah yep from I remember that uh, the is it Ty Bachman Ty Bachman album Tal Tal fuck Randy Bachman why would you name your fucking kid Tal <laughs> it's short for Tal so powder. much LSD you know what I mean like they just fried themselves in the seventies <laughs> it's actually short for Talmage or Talmage what the that's fuck? even worse man Tal-mage? this is why the baby boomers <laughs> need to just step aside because like this is what you named your fucking kids get out of here get okay boomer. There it is. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> Either way. So 1991 was a really cool year. You should go listen to some of the albums that came out that year because most of them hold up like crazy. And I'm not even just talking about the shit that I like fetishize, like my, my Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and stuff. But like, I mean, that Jesus and Mary Chain album is like fucking perfect, basically, for that kind of music. And like, <laughs> Atun Baby's flawless and... I mean, those Guns N' Roses albums are great. And I'm, I assume that whatever Madonna put out that year is probably excellent, considering that was her, like, that was her creative peak, right? Like, the late 80s, early 90s, when she was yeah. just, like, killing it all the time. And Yeah. There's that huge performance you can watch, like, the tribute performance uh, for Freddie Mercury that year, too, where, like, I think it was Elton John performed with Axl Rose and all that kind of stuff, like, all that controversy that happened there. Mm-hmm. So there's all kinds of stuff. I think it was an interesting year. You should go read about it more than anything. And then listen to some of the music, because... It's good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Well, that brings us to our final entry. Paul, what is your proposal? My proposal, it might be a a weak case at this point. I feel like I tried to bring in something more recent because... More recent? I knew that you guys were... Yeah. yeah, less than twenty yeah. years old. <laughs> less than twenty years old. Just because, like, I knew that you guys, I knew that nineteen ninety seven was going to get picked, and like, I figured Mark would go earlier. Yep. I'm making a case for two thousand and five, and two thousand five in general is kind of a transitional year, but was definitely an interesting one in that there were a lot of weird things going on with the music industry. This was where downloading was starting to really peak, while CD sales and record sales were starting to go up again for a short time they like crash back down again shortly thereafter but there were reasons that to believe in the classic model of the record industry still while a lot of indie bands were starting to make a lot of waves at the time so for the major pop releases of the year we had the emancipation of mimi mariah carey of course that was the top selling album of the year and her single the first single off of that album stayed at number one for 14 weeks which recently just got booted out by uh lil nas x who old town road yeah, Old Town Road. Oh, okay. Old Town Road. Madonna also released her best album uh, that she released in the last 20 years, which was Confessions on a Dance Floor, which had the hit hung up on it. So pop music was in a relatively good state, even though we were seeing the end of Destiny's Child and the beginning of the meteoric rise of Beyonce. I mean, she had already released Crazy in Love in 2003, but she was just like continuously on the rise at that point. We had Kanye's second album, not College Dropout, hold on. Late Registration came out. Mm. So Kanye was about to enter peak Kanye phase. So things were starting to like all these major heavy hitters that we think of in hip hop and pop and R&B were starting to 
gain traction while indie rock was really where things were starting to get really interesting. We had albums like Block Party, Silent Alarm. We had Gimme Fiction by Spoon. We had Apologies to the Queen Mary by Wolf Parade. Alligator by The National. Sleater Kinney released The Woods. We had Separation Sunday by The Hold Steady. One that hit number one on most indie lists was Sufjan Stevens' Massive Illinois. Get Behind Me Satan by The White Stripes. The Tanglewood Numbers by The Silver Jews. And the big crossover hit, which would be Gorilla's Demon Days, which has the mm-hmm. still unstoppable Feel Good Ink on it. And also Dare, which is my favorite song on the album. It's a fucking excellent like album. Dare too. Yeah, yeah, that is a, yeah, that is a fucking outstanding album. Yeah, Twin Cinema by the New Pornographers came out that year. Solid, solid New Pornos album. Yep. Yeah, M83's Before the Dawn Heals Us comes out. One of the lesser Daft Punk albums, Human After All, came out that year, but we don't have yeah, to talk yeah. about that because no, we don't. Campfire Head Phase by Boards of Canada came out that year, as well as oh. w- Witching Hour by Ladytron, which is one of my favorite electronic albums of all time. I do love that Boards of Canada album. That's, it's, that's my jam. Yeah, it's a really solid like overall year for music in general, and it kind of marked a sea change. Like this is like probably the the peak insufferable downloading indie hipster moment where everyone was all like, "Have you downloaded this recent album?" And it was peak Pitchfork. Things were things were happening a lot on the internet. In the this is a, on a personal note, this is the year where Paul became intolerable as a music fan to talk to you because if <laughs> it wasn't. Like, Pitchfork. Yeah, if it wasn't like listed on Pitchfork, him and his friends wouldn't listen to it. And whew, whew, <laughs> yeah. oh my god, some yeah. of the crap they made me listen to because Pitchfork said it was good. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Another big album that came out that year was MIA's Hourlar. It was her debut, and it's oh, a yeah. still excellent album. Um, Robin released her first independent album after she was you know, blonde pop star, 1992, 1993, uh, with Show Me Love. She started going independent and now is the international queer icon that we all know and love. She hadn't released Body Talk yet, but she was getting there. Um, LCD Sound Systems' uh, self-titled yeah. album came out that year. Big one. What else? Ugh, the Black Eyed Peas' Monkey Business, unfortunately, came out that year. But it was huge. It was huge. Yeah, it was. You couldn't uh, fucking get away from that album. Mysterious yeah. Production of Eggs was that year. So Andrew Bird yeah, kind of hit, Bird. hit um, his stride that year. Animal Collective's best album, Feels, came out that year. People will say Meriwether Post Pavilion. They're wrong. Oh, <laughs> Like a tipping point meme song, Crazy Frog came out that year, which, you know, I think is a a legitimate argument for eugenics in general, because the people (laughs) who bought that should be put down. What else? So uh, a lot of stuff. And I would say that, like, even though indie and the internet was democratizing music a lot, we were starting to see, like, these, like, Beyonce and Kanye were starting to turn into what they were so that's like pretty significant as well so there that's 2005 there's a lot of stuff in 2005 that's like 
Kaiser uh, Chiefs. Yeah, but Kaiser like, Chiefs. what was I looking at that you didn't mention? Oh, there's probably plenty. There was a lot, but like, it's just like, I mean, just even mainstream stuff going on, like Queens of Stone Age was putting out like their follow-up to... Lullabies to, to Paralyze. Yeah, the Decemberist Picaresque came out that year. Bex Garrow came out that year. Uh, there was a Will Smith album that was probably fucking massive that year. Uh, Lost and Found, yeah. Yeah, that Beck, I actually really like Guero. That's one of my favorite Beck albums. Oh, this was the year of Free Fiona, where she finally got to release Extraordinary Machine. Picaresque by the Decemberist yeah. came out that year. Did you say Hot Hot Heat is the year? Oh, right. Hot Hot Heat and Live It Out Metrics. Metrics second album came out that year, too. Yeah. I think Monster that, Hospital. This is either the the debut or Shine a Light came out this year, too, I think. The Constantine's mm. stuff was mm. starting to hit there. Um, with uh, Teeth, Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. Nine Inch Nails kind of reappearing after kind of disappearing in 1999 at that point. They hadn't really done a ton of stuff. Yeah. into the new millennium arguably the beginning of the end for weezer which was make-believe 2005 yeah it was beverly hills period yeah. we don't talk about that <laughs> <laughs> um yeah pearl jam's got a lot of those albums now we uh we do we're, i think we're, both our fan bases are doing the uh, yeah we don't talk about those ones so a, see it's weird because so 2005 for me is sort of a blind spot in my music because it's the year that i worked at disney world and i wasn't really like following music real closely that year and so like there's a bunch of shit from that year that I really like, but it's stuff that I came back and found later or like was exposed to later, like yeah. shit like architecture and Helsinki and like all that indie yeah. stuff. And like LCD sound system, I, I like entirely missed until like a few years ago kind of thing. Mm. And so it's a real weird area for me, but like looking yeah. back, I'm like, I like a lot of this music. It's just, I didn't know of it at the time kind of thing. Yeah. It's like one of the first eras of music where I was like, I am not engaged with anything happening in popular music anymore. Like I was just kind of like, all right, the indie stuff is interesting to a certain degree, but it doesn't like grab me. And then like what was happening in pop music was way outside my wheelhouse. This is also the 2005 is also the kind of the rise of, the that remember the hipster metal fascination like there was a couple years where like that, that whole came pitch a flirt. little mm-hmm. bit later uh, during the like the blockhouse era 2007 2007 okay i was thinking it's, like, yeah. it's around that era when i started i was like oh i can pay attention to music journalism again because it's not just about angry kids with acoustic guitars anymore it's about you know there's a metal band out there yeah. like mastodon yeah. or something but this is when like isis and pelican were starting to like come up too you know what yeah. i mean so yeah and there's what else oh this was also the year of gwen stefani love angel music yeah. baby came out in november of 2004 but holla bat girl didn't come out as a single until yeah. 2005 and dominated the airwaves besides mariah carey so it was mariah versus gwen versus madonna for this the top also, spot uh, that year uh, and Gold Digger came out this year too. Oh, yeah, Jamie Fox song. Yeah, is two thousand and five how you remind me? Is are we at Nickelback? Oh, no, this, this point? is Photograph. Oh, Photograph. oh Jesus, God. that's even yeah. worse. Oh man, yeah. so we're in peak Nickelback right now. That's awesome. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, this, yeah and that's yeah. what I mean. Though. Like this is when like the mainstream had just like left me way behind. I was like, all right, I'm over all of this shit. Like I don't care anymore. What's Tool doing? All oh, right, we still have a year till the next one. God damn it, I'm fucked. Fucked. <laughs> yeah. And this is when uh, X and Y came out from Coldplay too, and there's oh. yeah, yeah. I, I knew I knew Mark would love that. Oh man, I've seen Coldplay three times. I've never once wanted to go see Coldplay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, you wanted the thing that came after going to see Coldplay. Hell yeah! <laughs> this is the beginning also of the reign of Rihanna because she came out with Ponda Replay that year, and it was pretty huge. And then, but she got subsequently more famous every single year because she, I think, she had a release every year almost after 2005 so 
Yeah. Oh, Mr. Brightside, the Killers was a huge hit. Oh, that year, yeah. But it came out. Yeah, it came out like two years earlier. It was like two thousand, late two thousand three, I think. Was yeah. Fuss. That's uh that song. I like never liked the Killers. I love that song. I yeah, don't know why. It's still a good song. It's a good song. <laughs> yeah. It's catchy as fuck. It is. Yeah. yeah. So I would say that 2005 is pretty awesome and pretty significant for, you know, things happening. The way that music was being distributed was really, really changing really quickly. You know what we didn't talk about, though? This is one of those interesting things that we didn't talk about because 2005 may have been when was the iPod introduced? Right around then. That's when I got my first, I think, was that year that I was working at Disney. Just think about how... Like how that changed music consumption. Yeah, just the, that changed the way like you consumed music. Just having it all in one spot like that. Yeah, I was watching. Have you watched Picard this week? No, I'm a week behind. Randomly, the somebody was playing a, like a vinyl album on Picard this week, and I was oh, like, yeah. why? Like why? <laughs> like why? Don't have the technology and <laughs> like your entire twenty fifth century is one giant computer. I'm sure it's got iTunes in it. So like they have Spotify somewhere, <laughs> right? Like it's still yeah. must still be a thing, something like that. But he's sitting there listening. Like there's actually a record player playing, and I was like, all right, cool, whatever, man. <laughs> oh no, the first iPod was 2001. But I guess it probably didn't become yeah. like... I think that one's like the first click wheel ones, which is really where it started to blow up. Well, see, the problem was the first the first set were Apple only. Like you could only work... They only uh, ran on... Yeah, they had to connect to iOS. Yeah. Mac OS. Yeah, well, actually, it would have been... Uh, actually, no, it would have been iOS. Uh, yeah, it would have been Mac OS back then. Yeah. In yeah. 2005, that's when they first released the 60 and 80 gig ones. Though. Mm-hmm. So that was like the mm. when thing, things were starting to get really ridiculous and people were like, how can we fit? Where are we going to find all the music? Where are we going to fit? Blah, blah, blah. But it, like people never had a problem. And then BitTorrent. Yeah. Well, that's exactly right. Like, well, after I rip all these CDs that are on my wall and put them on there, I bet you it'll be full. But if it's not, I do have BitTorrent yeah. access. You know what I mean? Oink was around. Yeah. Paul, Oink. Yeah was around. Yeah, I, I remember, remember Oink. Oink was oh, the Oink. greatest site that ever existed on the internet for music. Like, oh my God, anything you could ever imagine in any kind of version you would ever want. That website was the yeah. best thing that ever happened to guys like us. And the quality was so good. Oh yeah, because they forced you to do like those high quality like VO rips and stuff. They were fucking spotless. I still have rips that are probably from that fucking site, like in my collection right now. Because yeah. I grabbed big flack rips off of all, all my Motown collection was from that big. Remember that big Motown collection? Oh, I love that big Motown collection. Yeah, like all my every single Motown single, single. from the beginning. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, but like, just think so about two thousand, like that early two thousands period. And like two thousand five is very like indicative of that because like we talked a little bit about like us transitioning from vinyl to CD in nineteen ninety one, and like Tim's era is like that's it CD like that's all you fucking had. We weren't even yeah. at MP three yeah. players yet, and then by the time you get to Paul's year, it's like fucking we're like a couple years away from iphone which is you know another sea change in terms of like streaming music and all that kind of stuff so yeah yeah pretty much so yeah i feel like yeah form factor changed as well as like just accessibility and yeah and then people were able to curate their tastes a little bit more independently even though you know people are still getting force fed a lot of stuff through the streaming services like you have a little bit more wiggle room yeah it's way more democratized now than like you and that's why i was like we were talking about 1991 being that last year or probably the last time you'll see like a singular movement kind of just like bum rush pop culture the way grunge Mm -hmm. did kind of thing you're not going to see that 
ever again. Because even like when the indie wave came on, it was like people, the, everybody's attention was too some, scattered. Yeah, so. it hit some some places and some age groups and some yeah. social you know social brackets and not others kind of thing. Whereas like yeah, yeah. like you had nineteen ninety one, you had like you were either listening to Guns and Roses or then or have already flipped over to the alternative stuff like for rock and roll. Or if you're listening to pop music, you're probably just listening to Madonna and like Michael Jackson or whatever else was out that year. Paul Abdul, I guess, right? Whereas yeah. by 2005, you had like, Christ, how many albums came out that year compared to what came out in 1991? I bet you if you look at the actual numbers from the labels, it's probably like three times as many albums. And it's also sort of around the time where, and this goes all goes hand in hand, where you start seeing the superstars, like the number of them diminish, mm-hmm. right? Like there's a few left, but you know, it's not like it was in like the 90s or even early 2000s where there was still like, these you know 20 or 30 different like fucking pinnacles of music performance or like you know yeah. just huge huge pop stars kind of thing and now by this time we're whittled down to like a handful and nobody knew nobody either could fucking make money off music anymore because of fucking pirates like us yeah the right <laughs> and conversely though like it feels like there are no icons that are at the level of madonna and michael jackson even now like those were like the two most famous people in the world period like just those two people yeah, yeah. Like, they, and no one like Beyonce kind of hit that level for a short time, and I think like Kanye, it, a little. Kanye, and that, but, but even not to that extent. Like, I think Madonna and Michael Jackson did in like 1991, 1992, 1993 was headline news. Yeah, well, just like, all those, all those guys, yeah, like all those guys were super scrutinized. Like, that's what basically killed Kurt Cobain, right? It was just the media scrutiny. Like, they were like the focus of everything, right? Like, it's those one or two people that are like the pinnacle. Now it's like you can't pick that one person like dave grohl i guess kind of shrug but not really right not like he's not kurt cobain or eddie vetter in 1992 or axel fucking rose in 1991 or madonna in from 86 so fucking whenever she lost her shit at the end of the 90s (laughs) so all right well so i think we've all made decent cases let's maybe leave it to our listeners to uh vote or something on on who you think you know leave us a comment or something like that to uh decide who you think did the best job and and what you think was the best year in music was it one of the ones we picked was it something totally different make your case but before we finish up let's get to our final stigma segment which is our geek cred which is just where each of us recommends something that we have been enjoying or digging on and for you to check out if you feel so inclined so let's go to paul first everyone knows i like pokemon uh but but, wait what what (laughs) i don't know if this is common knowledge to non-pokemon fans but there's a way to like cut out like all the video game stuff and just battle online for fun called pokemonshowdown.com if you go to pokemonshowdown.com you can battle your Pokemon from any generation, and they have all these different battling types to like random. Is this battles. like licensed? Oh no, it's totally okay. It's totally fan run and fan made. Like it's very well known in the competitive community. This is where people practice for those really big, huge tournaments Tournaments, basically and so this is the site that they use to so you have access to every single pokemon and uh, an entire like team builder application so you can customize it to the best of your ability and there's chats to talk about strategy it is basically how i kill five minutes if like i'm sitting in between something or other and i just like need something to do i'll 
start a Pokemon battle. And they usually last between 5 and 15 minutes. And for me, it was a good way for me to get back into Pokemon after I had lapsed in my I'm too cool for Pokemon time. When did that happen? It was like 15 minutes while you were in Korea and didn't tell anybody? No, when I was in like late high school, early university. Okay. During Generation 4 and 5, which I have gone back to and I'm sad that I missed the heyday of because they're quite good. But yeah, PokemonShowdown.com, really fun. And like it's a good way to dip your toe into the grand world of Pokemon. Cool. All right. Mark, what is your geek cred for this week? Um, Will Wheaton clicking like on my drawing is pretty exciting, actually, <laughs> for me right now. So like, go follow me on Instagram, MT underscore Bullet. Uh, I can always use those follows. I got blown up today. Actually, I have a weird story that I didn't share with the podcast, and I probably should. I got blown up today on Reddit accidentally. I've been posting my prints to uh, my art station to look for other kinds of like freelance work and stuff like that. So like, it's in my portfolio. And some random Letterkenny fan found my print and posted it to the subreddit. And the fucking post got like above a thousand upvotes on it. Like it got crushed all day on Reddit. So I didn't get that karma, but I kind of get to like peripherally be like, I get that karma because it's my fucking drawing (laughs) that got that karma. So uh, that was pretty fun. And then, yeah, so I got Will Wheaton clicking like, and I got Letterkenny fans blowing my fucking inbox up on Reddit, which means I need to start a new Reddit account because I'm not anonymous anymore. And that's concerning. Like, that's concerning. (laughs) (laughs) So that's going to have to become my professional account now, I guess. And I'm going to have to delete some old messages because... Set that one on fire. Yeah, that one's got to go now. But so I guess that's... Need some scrubbing. Make sure you have your anonymous Reddit account and then don't go commenting on things that you've been blown up on. I was just surprised because, like, I mean, I knew the art was out there, but it caught me off guard because I just saw Letterkenny by Mark Ouellette, like my name and like the, the print title and stuff in there. And I was like, the thumbnails, like, I was like, that's my art. Fuck, they found the art before I get to post it next week and put it on sale. Anyway, <laughs> so that's kind of cool. But yeah, that's also prints are going on sale like next week. So you'll see an announcement. Everything is exciting right now. Yay. Nice. Mike, you heard for this week. Uh, I pimped the shit out of Tom King and Mitch Gerard's Mr. Miracle series when it was going. And their follow-up to that series just started and had its first uh, its first issue drop last week. So like the first week of March. And it's uh, Strange Adventures. And it focuses on Adam Strange, which is sort of this real campy like space adventurer character. And uh, it's the first issue already is really cool. It's actually not just Tom King and Mitch Gerard's now. They've got Doc Shaner doing art on it as well. Nice. Um, He's good. And there's, yeah, and it's kind of doing a kind of a dichotic thing where it's showing like sort of the 60s Silver Age, like glossy, shiny, like space adventure kind of thing. Yeah. But then it's also showing like the more Tom King, like down to earth, like maybe things aren't all exactly as they seem. You know, it's not all black and white. There are shades of gray to you know, all these space adventures kind of thing. And so, I mean, just based, it's another 12 issue series based on the first issue I'm hooked already. It's going to be towards the top of my reading pile whenever it does come in. And I think it's supposed to come monthly as far as I know. And Mr. Miracle was pretty good for coming monthly as well. So hopefully this one will too. Nice. So yeah, I would recommend that you go check that out. Mark, you, you ended up reading that Mr. Miracle, didn't you? I did. Yes. I quite enjoy it. I like Tom King's writing up until he has to end his stuff. Apparently is kind of how I, <laughs> When it's limited, like something yeah. like this, where it's that was, where it, that's, you know, I think that's why I got, I was so excited for his Batman that Mr. Miracle had like a cohesive ending and it's like, this is the end. We're done. Like we're out, we're gone kind of thing. The, the original yeah. series. So I was like, oh cool. He's gonna do like a nice big Batman story. That's gonna have a real ending. And then we're going to get to go do other shit. But it kind of just 
everywhere. Well, the ending is supposed to be that Batman Catwoman series that's coming. Oh, right. Well, yeah, there's also that, right? Like, so we never really got a real ending. And then, or is that going to count in continuity the same way that Grant Morrison's ending to Batman Incorporated never really kind of counted either? You know what I mean? Like, it was off. Yeah. They'd already killed the continuity by then. So, like, it's just, I hate it when that shit happens. Just let them finish the fucking story in the book and then cut it and do the next story afterwards. That kind of annoying. But either way. Yeah. I know I did like Mr. Miracle quite a bit. So if the new stuff's good, I'll probably take a look at it for sure. So, nice. all right. Well, with that, we can finish up for the week. So thank you everybody for listening. And uh, yeah, do let us know what you thought about our picks for best album in our lifetimes. Was it 91? Was it 97? Was it 2005? Was it something completely different? You can do that on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash dance robot dance podcast. You can shoot us an email at dance robot dance podcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at DRD underscore podcast and you if you are not already subscribed to the podcast you can do so on essentially any podcasting resource or podcatching resource whether that is spotify apple Podcasts, google podcasts or stitcher uh so with that we will say good night say good night paul good night everyone and say good night mark good night everybody and i am tim and we will see you next time go listen to some music that's at least 15 years old apparently because That's what we all think is the best music. We're old men. Old men. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Bye.